Welcome to Touching the Monolith. I am Lejean Delawan Fondue. And I am the Master Bob. And Okay, there they are. Sorry. Uh, and this is episode 97? Six. Six. 96. You, you seem to jump ahead by one. I do. I'm always a future. I'm always in the future. That's what it is, yeah. You know? fu- I'm from always the future. Amuse- always emotion is the future. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dayo. You know what bothers me about that? Mm. Not about that, about the new... I don't think I've spoken about this on cast. Um, the new, like, episode one, two, and three. Uh-huh. Uh, aside from everything else that bothers me about it, right? Yoda didn't have to talk like that. He didn't. No. Because in, in episode four and five, he spoke normally. Like, he was just doing that to fuck with Luke. And yet they... Be, and then in se- uh, seasons, in, in, in movies one, two, and three, that became his normal speech pattern. And that was really freaking annoying when he says... Something like a perimeter around the survivor or create, cre- yes. yeah, cre- yeah, yeah. That's like attack of the clones. Yeah, he didn't have to speak that way. No, and and one could make the argument um, that he had been away from society. I mean, on Dagobah, he had been away from society so long that the speech pattern was, you know, him talking to himself, right? Enough. Almost Gollum esque. Yeah, and and uh, in, we just see here. In episodes, you know, one, two, and three, that it, it was played up because oh, it worked so well in in, in uh, Empire, right? And like, the kids love it; they absolutely adore they love it. the way he talks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for it, people. Oh, that was annoying. Yes, well, that's more examples of George Lucas and him trying to uh, make a lot of money. Hooray! But that's not why we're here today. No? Why are we here today? Why are we? Why are we here ever? Ah, the pistories of the universe. That didn't come out right, but it came out funny, so I'm going to go with it. Okay! Pistories of the universe. Yes. All right. That should be the title right there. Pistories of the universe. So, yes. Andrew Gatun yes. posted a uh, YouTube link on my Facebook, my personal Facebook recently, and it's a British guy talking about Doctor Who. And he's talking about how when he was young, he was he was saying how he gets a pissed off by fans of the new who saying they've been Doctor Who fans since the beginning and kind of challenging him because he's watched it since he since it was on way back in the day. You'll have to go back a bit further. Right. Um, But he also talks about how he how his who fanhood even though he considers himself somewhat of a super fan, pales in comparison to these kids because they know everything about everything because they catch every single detail and they rewatch it five and six and seven times. Uh, meanwhile, he's just a super fan because he's seen it since the beginning. Gosh, I catch pretty much everything on the first go-around because it's not intellectually challenging. Well, in the Davies years, there was stuff going on in the background that he brought back around. That true, and you had to re, you know, you you had to go back and rewatch the series to catch it again. Right, but but so he was also sp- talking about how Doctor Who is very much a kids' show, and how it started as a kids' show. Rather, I mean, they're they're unequivocally a kids' show. Yes, and he talks about and he kind of makes references to things like Harry Potter, which is where. It's geared toward kids, but you know adults will be also reading it or watching it, and so you make it accessible to adults, but geared toward kids. 
it, it's important to remember that the when Doctor Who started off, not only was it for kids, it was specifically children's educational programming. Right. It was not meant to be sci-fi fun. It was meant to be instructional. And uh, the first... Uh, they, they had to wrap it around in... in, in, in uh, a fantastic story to catch people's attention to, get, to catch children's attention right and so it started off with the uh, an unearthly child which was god awful it was terrible the first series was just ugh. so they said we're going to be canceled anyway do what you want and then we have the daleks right 40 years later, we apparently no longer have Daleks, but... No, 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 no. We had a Dalek in uh, the last season, yeah. and we are going to have Daleks in the next season. Uh, that has been pre... Uh, yeah, they, they just made <coughs> him beat it so easily, like when he puts down the eye stalk, and he's like, meh. Anyway, yeah, anyway, it's... Whatever. Yeah. Um, but, um... So he was talking about how children... how, how he, he was complaining that... You can have things that are geared toward children and accessible to adults, but it seems like these days there is nothing that is geared toward adults that is accessible toward children. That who used to be that way, the newer who used to be that way, and now it's going back to being for kids that's accessible to adults. And he was complaining because it seems like we're we're shortchanging maybe not our children but ourselves, saying you adults don't get anything unless it's super adult. So either you have to watch it on your own or you have to watch kids' shows that kind of pander to you. Yeah. And that's really freaking annoying. Yeah, and that is that is totally where the current Who is sitting. Right. Um, and the, the Christmas episode is the prime shot example of this. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> there was nothing in that episode that made me want to continue watching Doctor Who. Right. Um. Sorry, but you've got an adult watching this clearly badly ripped off C.S. Lewis interpretation. Right. Well, to be fair, the season before he ripped off Charles Dickens, but in I, a good way. In the season before, the the I, again, I'm not. I'm usually not very. I can't be critical of the Christmas episodes, but I I wasn't really turned on by it. Um, I mean the Dave the. Uh, the first Christmas episode where we had uh, David Tennant, that wasn't the all Sicker that great. X? It was hilarious. It though. was it was funny, right? And it it set up a number of things for the following season, right? And it set up for for both Doctor Who and Torchwood, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that it was a particularly good episode. If you go back and watch that, while it yeah, it was a little little bit of fun, it was kind of it was good. Christmassy. It was very Christmassy. I liked the fact that it was Christmassy, but it was not. It was Christmassy without being heavy-handed. Right. The Christmas aspect of it was the side plot. Right. And that's what I liked. And and that brings us back to the last two that have been done by Moffat, very Christmas-centric. Right. And Moffat, please, I have my own holiday. I'm very happy with my holiday. You've tried to redo things over and over again that have been done right. to death right um, fresh takes aren't always fresh yeah and yours were a puddle of poo so well the christmas carol episode is good mm, it had its problems but it was not bad it wasn't as bad as the most recent no CS no it wasn't yeah. off. right the, this and that's i think largely because the c.s lewis 
world is it's one where people will either cotton to it or they don't get it right and and you don't have to understand the fact that there's a whole bunch of christian theology going on in the background of it you don't have to get the parallels that's fine there are people out there who didn't know about those until they hit high school after loving the stories as children that's fine doesn't matter but please get it right Uh he didn't right yeah no he well he always takes his own spin and it's brilliant according to the doctor or no clever it's clever. clever. Yeah. Very clever. Um, though though the uh, the Voyage of the Damned, or whatever it was, the the, oh, the Titanic the, episode. The Christmas one, the second Tenant Christmas one. Yeah. That was at least cute. Because, again, Christmas was the secondary. All the Christmas was the setting, not the plot. Whereas right. in the most recent two ones, <laughs> Christmas has been the, the plot, plot, not just not the, the setting. setting. Yeah. And and take it or leave it, Kylie Minogue is hot no matter how old she has been. That's true. Come on, everybody. Let's do the locomotion. She did not sing that song. That was her big hit from the 80s, my friend. That was originally? No. Okay. She did not originally do it. That's what I was saying. She covered it. Ah. But it was her big hit from the 80s. Gotcha. Okay. And she, of course, had some big recording career after that in Australia. Right. But in the United States, locomotion. So... (laughs) Um, all right, so that's that's the, the opening rant. The opening rant. We should just start having an opening rant. I have an idea. Get angry. How about we let the touchers tell us if they want us to have an opening rant every time? Because we know they're not going to say anything. Yes. Don't say anything, touchers, if you want us to have an opening rant every week. There it is, right there. Yep, they didn't say nothing. That's right. I guess we'll have an opening rant. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> My name is Lou Sitzma. I'm the one responsible. I introduced Karen to Farscape. She got sucked into the series big time. Now we're doing this podcast together. I've created a monster. Reviewing all 88 episodes and the four-hour miniseries. That's a lot of podcasts. At the end, will it be enough for her? It has to be. But the thing that scares me most? My biggest fear. Is by the time we get to the end... Hope we can make it. Will the two of us still be on talking terms? It could get ugly. Good thing the journey is sure to be a blast. Lots of great scaper conversations. Captured in these chronicles, so you can know the wondrous things that we've heard. Put on your leather pants and reload your pulse pistol. I'm on another planet. What the frell? I hate this stuff. Chicks love it. Can I get a hell yeah! It's my duty, my breeding since birth. It's what I am. You can be more. Escape Cast, your guide to the wonders of Farscape. Listen to the Scaper Chronicles at scapecast.org. Welcome back to Touching the Monolith. I am Lejean Delawan Fondue. And I am the Master Bob. Did you see... Did I see? The uh, recent image on Facebook or wherever, because it's on the internet, the Where's Wally poster. Which Wally are they talking about? They're talking about the the uh, Wally from Wall-E, the, the Disney Pixar film. Okay. And... The... <laughs> It's a bunch of the robots. I'm uh, not all robots from, but a bunch of robots from uh, various various things, things including Doctor Who and 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 whatnot. Um, we need a new obsession. <laughs> but Wally, it's 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 like a Where's Waldo poster, but it's you find Wally instead. So I got to show you this. 
Well, as you're looking that up. Yes. Um, so Game of Thrones season two is well into swing. Tonight is the premiering of the third episode. If you're watching it, I won't ruin it for you, but it's very, very cool. Lejean is handing me his iPad with this Where's Wall-E picture. Let's see. Who's in here? There's the scooter There's from... 180 different robots in there. GoBots. I see one of the robots from Robots. Let's see. What else do I recognize? I see a Dalek. I see the Tin Man. I see Bender with his arm around... What was Wally's girlfriend's name? Uh, Eva. Eva, yes. I see Big Guy, who isn't actually a robot. I see two different types of Cylon, both the old and the new. I see... Uh, what was the ice dude's name from Logan's Run? Box. Box, yes. Milk and plankton and things from the sea, yes. Tom Servo. Uh, the monkey that played the robot in the original uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, uh, the Daggett, yeah. The Daggett, yes. Um, what else do I see here? I know this is probably really boring to the listeners. Red Robot uh, from Diesel Sweeties, which is a online comic, and you should check that one out. I see the RoboCop. What was the, the, the chicken walking RoboCop thing? The chicken walking RoboCop thing? The bad guy in the first one, the giant robot, the drop your weapons. Oh, ED209. ED209, yeah, there's that one. Where is Wally? Hmm. Wow, but a lot of these are. <laughs> they even have Paul's robot from Rocky Four. Ooh, and Gurr's in there too. That's cool. And uh, Alpha Five from the Power Rangers. They've got Gort. They do have Gort the way in the back. Still. Yeah, they do. Uh, they have a lot of classic robots in here. Lots and lots and like there are 180 robots Danger in, Will in Robinson. that picture. Who drew this? They have the Bill and Ted evil bots. Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. They, oh, no. Those are the good ones. Okay. The good, the good Bill. That's good right. robot okay. Bill and good robot Dad. They have Johnny Five. <laughs> yes, they, they do. They even have Mister uh, the the Mister Belvedere bot from Clone High, which is a show you probably never saw, but I think that is fantastic that they have that in there. Wow. They went to a lot of trouble to draw. They these. really did. They yep. even have the 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 um, owl from Clash of the Titans. Cool. They have a robot. They have one of the little saucer robots from Batteries Not Included. Yep, they did. Holy crap. This is crazy sauce. Let's see. So for our touchers to find this, just search the internet on the image search on Google for where's wall-e. Oh, I found him. He's right behind K9. Yes, he is. Thanks for spoiling it for No, you can cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, there, there, there is a of lot of classic, classic stuff here, like stuff you wouldn't even expect. Yep, they got Robbery the Robot in there. They've got Maximilian from Black Hole. They've yes, got they uh, the other not quite as powerful robot from from uh, the Black Hole. They have both types of uh, Cybermen. Both types of Cybermen. Uh, they had uh, you've got K nine in there. They even have the. Um the the nurse bot from Spaceballs. They have they have Rosie the robot made from well, of course Jetsons. they do. But I mean, there's stuff like one shot stuff in here. That's yeah, look, just... look in the lower right hand corner. They have the Tom and Jerry robot mouse and robot rat. <laughs> they do. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. It is awesome, awesome, awesome. Wow. Yeah. So look this stuff up. This is pretty effing sweet. Yes, it is effing sweet. But that wasn't why I pulled out my iPad. Why did you whip out your iPad? I was looking for Hugo nominees. Oh, too bad. I'm looking at it now. Uh, 
You wow. Can, yeah. <laughs> I'm still looking. I was just staring at this because there's just so much more. I mean, they have the robot guard from uh, THX 1138. Yes. Not a guard. Those are the robot policemen. Oh, policemen. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, and, of course, the android from Red Dwarf. I don't remember his name. Crichton. Crichton. Yes. Yes. Wow. There is just classic, classic stuff here. Uh, oh, wow. They even have one of the crappy robots from Sonic the Hedgehog. The crappy cartoon. So there was there was, so so there was uh, multiple versions of Sonic the Hedgehog as a cartoon. Yes, there was Sonic X, which was really kind of hardcore. Well, no, there was Sonic X, which was I think an anime. Then there was one that was kind of like Sonic X. It was very hardcore, and he would like hold the ring, and it would make him faster. But it was very dark, and it was only on. I remember it was on before Tales from the Crypt, the cartoon Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Do you remember that cartoon? I avoided anything that said Tales from the Crypt, oh, honestly. I loved that show. I remember being a kid, and that thing scared the crap out of me. Now it's just stupid, and it always had some sort of like Aesop's morality tale at the end, where you'd think that the, uh, the Crypt Keeper would pop out of his crypt and say, now remember, kids, don't drink, or whatever. They'd like have like a G.I. Joe-style ending, except for with the Crypt Keeper. They didn't in the cartoon, but I mean, you'd figure they would now. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, my, my first exposure to uh, the Crypt Keeper was a little thing called Creep Show 2. Which wasn't the same thing. No, it wasn't, but. Uh, kind of spoiled me for. Oh. Yeah. Creep, Creep Show 2 was pretty bad. The one thing that creeped me out the worst, though, was the lake. Yeah, the dude molesting the chick on the the, the thing while she slept, and then he like get like seeped through and pulled her through underneath, and then pulled he, him through. No, no, no. She had to swim back. Oh no, that's right. That's he right. made he it did. to the end, and then he's like, yeah. ha! And then the thing like jumps out and actually grabbed him. Bob, Bob, Bob. I got away. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You molesting bastard. Yeah. All right. So, so Jean's talking about how there's what five Hugo nominations this year, and. <laughs> Let me back. Let me back him up. There are many Hugo nominations this year. We're talking about for science fiction short form um, drama presentation. Right. We talked about this a couple of years ago. It feels like. Yeah. Well, but it feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time. It feels like the first time. <laughs> and he's still looking it up. So what he's going to tell us is that out of the five, out of the five. For <laughs> dramatic presentation in short form, there is Eerie. five final ballots. Three of five. I'm sorry, there are... Five final ballots. Is, Three of them. It's not... This is not an, an iPod... Fr- an iPad-friendly site. This is not an iPad-friendly person. Here we go. Best dramatic presentation short form. And uh, there are... One, two, three... From Doctor Who. Hmm. Now, that normally doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm going to read off all the listings. We have The Doctor's Wife by Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. the one that I hope will win. Right. We have, uh, let's see, The Drink Tank's Hugo Acceptance Speech by Christopher J. Garcia and James Bacon, not Doctor Who. We have The Girl Who wait- Waited uh of Doctor Who, written by Tom McRae. I didn't like that And episode. directed by Nick Curran. Uh, and I, I kind of liked that episode. And, uh, but I, don't, I still want Neil Gaiman to win mm-hmm. uh, if, if a Doctor Who gets it. And uh, then we have A Good Man Goes to War, Doctor Who, written by Stephen Moffat, <sighs> which 
wasn't as good as a lot of people might think it was. Right. Rewatch it. Rewatch it without wait, now knowing that Rory is, of course, the hero of this episode. Rewatch it and then see if it's as good because I rewatched it. And you know what? It's not. It's not. It makes no sense. It really doesn't. Like, I rewatched it with a with a more critical eye. The episode makes very little sense. Yeah, it it, it would have made a lot more sense had they gone through and did what we thought they were going to do from that point, uh, which I'll reiterate in just a second. Or had they gone through, had the entire season been with those various characters that he picked up. Going back and revisiting their stories to yes. why they follow him. Right. Or if, or if those had been episodes already... And then he pulled them in, thus, you know, uh, yeah. cementing together the entire season. Except that we hadn't seen any of them. That's what before. I'm talking about. Each one should have had their own episodes, and they should still have their own episodes. Right? <laughs> they, they didn't, and there is the problem. That unless that's the unless that's the whole next season with the new companion or some yeah. shit. But then why would they care about Amy? And but then they would have never actually met her. Yeah. <sighs> but it would all have been for the Doctor. Quit I've fucking heard. it up, Moffat. And, of course, the number five on here is Remedial Chaos Theory um, off the show Community by Dan Harmon. Which was cool. And, that was a kind of boring episode, but it was a really cool concept for the episode. In that episode, if you... Yeah, I don't a, watch it, so... Okay. So, in, in Community, uh, there's just... There's the, the whole premise is there's a study group and they're all friends, blah, blah, blah. There's an episode where... Uh, they're all sitting around a table. There's seven of them at a table, and one of them picks up the die because one of them ha- somebody has to go get pizza. So they pick up the die, and he says, "Starting at my left, whatever number it rolls, that person has to go get the pizza." So it explores one through six what happens, and something happens, something horrible happens each time. In one of the in one of the uh, the the universes, um, Troy and Abed end up as evil clones of themselves uh they end up going evil because horrible things happen some people die somebody gets shot and then um at the end of the episode they put on fake goatees and and go by evil troy and evil abed um it's actually pretty funny and uh but but the but you know, obviously, there's always a happy ending because there's always a happy ending, but it was really cool how they explored each different uh encounter with or whatever you want to call it the different timeline it, it it's a whole multiple uh universe theory where everything happens right no matter what happens right so on a roll you say it's a six-sided die i'm assuming it was a six-sided die yeah. so they roll it once but in each different universe it came up as a one or a two or a three four five six right exactly so and Right, because at the end of the episode, Evil Troy and Evil Abed are, it's implied that they break into the real universe to get revenge on the <laughs> the source, Troy and Abed. Of course. Of course. So, yeah, so that's fun. Right. And and, and it was a good episode, and that, that I wouldn't mind seeing when either, because, the, I mean, the, the episode itself dragged on a little bit, but the, the, the concept and the writing was very cool. And And, but bearing in mind that we have Doctor Who... With which has a warm place in many people's hearts, and does Neil Gaiman already have a Hugo? I would think that Neil Gaiman has at least one Hugo by have, this point. He should have so many. 
Yeah, he should have a bunch. Uh, so awarding it to Moffat, who has three and really doesn't deserve it uh, at this point, and especially compare if you compare him with Neil Gaiman. Right. I mean, or, I mean, if you compare, or if you compare the A Good Man Goes to War just with the girl who waited. The girl who waited was is fully full on Hugo material, and no no reason not to to nominate it. It would it should in my book beat out Moffat, but Neil Gaiman beats both of those. Yes. So. Yes. <sighs> and and to be fair, to be fair, in the girl who waited and a good man goes to war, there's still no doctor character development. Nope, none. But in the doctor's wife, lots there's of lots the doctor. Of it. Yeah, it's a doctor story. Right. Again, that, Which, and that's that's how it should. Be. And you know what I realized? This is this how I knew when I when I started rewatching seasons five and six. Right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, how I knew that the doctor had taken a side seat. Because the opening monologue was di- done by Amy, and it was her story. Hers. Yes. The companion story. Screw- we need. We really need a new obsession, because this is going to get boring for the listeners. We didn't mean to talk like this for so long. <laughs> But what we what we were pointing out, this is no longer about Doctor Who. This is about the Hugos, specifically right. the dramatic short form. The fact that Doctor Who, number one, has been nominated. It's, it's the nominating committee really has to sit back and reassess. Seriously, is there no other short form science fiction out there that's that's not turning people's heads? Right. I hear Fringe is awesome. It was. I, I hear Chuck was awesome. Yeah. Depends on your point of view, obviously. But um, I hear Big Bang Theory is supposed to be very good. Big Bang Theory is not dramatic. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I guess Chuck wasn't dramatic either. So, <clears throat> well, it's a sort of a sitcom-y thing. Oh, it was of. like an hour long. It was it was supposed to be like it was like action. There was a, it's drama. action dramedy. Yeah. yeah, but Fringe, but Fringe is supposed to be awesome, right? Or they could bring back Firefly and just give the Hugo to it. <laughs> I mean, let's just do that. I, I think Joss Whedon may have got the Hugo on that one already. <laughs> Did he? I, I'd have to go back and check. Yeah. <laughs> let's and, and not I, do that. What? Uh, I'm no, I'm not going to do that because I'm not used to my iPad yet. Um, but what we're looking at is the Hugo Awards, is short form dramatic fiction, right? Presentation. Come on, we know we all like Doctor Who at some level, right? And Really, there's nothing else out there that couldn't fill up two other slots. Seriously, not at <laughs> Come all. Come on. Oh, Fringe would. De- I, Fringe could easily take up a slot. Yeah, Fringe was good for a while. I haven't watched it. Though, I, I so haven't. I, don't know. I haven't watched it ever, ever. Ever. But the people who talk about it talk about it incessantly. Well. They love Fringe. It's like the people that like Doctor Who, right? No, 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 it's not the same. It's not the same because okay. there's a lot less history behind Fringe than there is behind Doctor Who. True, but there's a... Well, that's a good point. That is a very good point. And Fringe Fringe was fantastically done. It was also a J.J. Abrams show. Right. Just like Lost. And, and people who like Lost, same but thing. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, and I think Lost was in for Hugo at some point, hmm. But not one episode of Fringe was Hugo worthy, not one. That's a good and point. And three Doctor Who episodes. Right. Come on, 
A good man goes to war was not that good. Where where are the Hugos originally from? The Hugo Award is award uh, that is given out at the World Science Fiction Convention, Worldcon, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be in Chicago this year. And uh, hope they get a pizza. <laughs> Sci-fi pizza, dude. Or- where did it originate? The, the Worldcon. It's 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 an award given out by that. Um, but where did Worldcon originate? Like what city? Uh, Geneva. I, was it part of the? Accords? I don't know. I'd have I to go and look at the. I'd have to go and look at all the places it's been. It's been. It moves around. It doesn't. Of course, it it reappears once every year, like Brigadoon. Brigadoon was once every two hundred. Once every hundred years. No, it was. Yeah. This is the Hugo's. Anyway, let's. Uh, so sometimes you just want to smack him. Brigadine. Smack him. Brigadine was a cool sci-fi concept, by the way. It, well, it's it's also been redone a bunch. Has it over the years? Yeah, there's at least one Brigadine style episode uh, in most cartoon series that involve magic or science fiction of some sort. Wow. Yeah. Didn't know that. No. Nope. I mean, it's not. I, they don't call it Brigadoon, and it's not a, a. Well, no, I understand the, what you're talking about. You know what's interesting though? This is this is one thing that always struck me. Speaking of Brigadoon, this is one thing that always struck me as funny about that whole thing, right? That that's based on like an actual legend, supposedly. In medieval times, that town reappears every hundred years, right? Right. Uh which means, and, and that was some sort of covenant with God. Yep. Where he's making that happen. Well, the, the guy who made the covenant with God went off and disappeared. Right. Yeah. Right. That's not magic. I mean, to anybody else, you would think that, like, I mean, if they reappeared in the wrong, in the wrong area in the Dark Ages, somebody's going to say, oh, that's magic, and slaughter the town. Well, the, the fun thing about it is the, the town is only there... It's it's in the middle of Scotland, right? And it it appears one day to them. It's every day to to them. Every day is a new day, right? Which but means they're a hundred years ten later. Days that's a thousand years. Yep. That means that like by the by, I mean that means that 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 nuclear holocaust could have happened, and they reappear, and they all die of radiation poisoning. But they're only there for one day. <laughs> That's enough to get radiation poisoning from. Who's going to, but really seriously, who's going to bomb Scotland? <laughs> oh, you can't see me. I'm raising my hand. I don't know why. Why not? Got to bomb somebody. There's nothing there worth bombing. There's mud. The problem with Scotland is. There's nothing there worth bombing. There's too many Scots. <laughs> We need a break. That was a quote from the movie Braveheart. Why must you ruin those things? Just let them get the joke. I didn't get the joke. I think it's worth spoiling if I didn't get the joke. Well. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. From the author that brought you V&A shipping comes a new audiobook that's sure to make you sit up and think, What? Is this guy crazy or something? I mean, he keeps writing these weird books and they don't make a whole lot of sense or anything. I mean, how does he expect me to? For a barbarian, life is simple. Hunt, eat, build. There's not much else. But for Billy Barbarian, there has to be more to life. So he's decided to head down to the big city and check things out for himself. 
In the mighty, booming metropolis of Sethopolis, Billy seeks employment and finds it. His first job is to protect Miss Celine Dijon while she's giving a concert at Stump Arena. Through his assignment, Billy gets to meet the famous real estate developer Ronald Stump. But the fun and joy don't last long, as Billy uncovers a plot against Miss Celine's life. Can this sturdy barbarian do what needs to be done to protect her? Is he strong enough and quick-witted enough? Join Billy on his adventure with dragons, skyscrapers, wizards, and evil plots as he tries to keep Ms. Celine safe. Will his first job in the big city be his last? Find out! Billy Barbarian is a new podcast novel from author J.R. Murdoch. Find out more at jrmurdoch.com or of gnomesanddwarves.com. And now, available on patiobooks.com. Welcome back to Touching the Monolith. I am Lejean Delonfondio. And I am the Master Bob. And in the break, we've decided that we're not going to talk about the Doctor. We're going to talk about Stanley Tweedle. Stanley Tweedle. And Zeba B3K. And Kai, the and last of the Brunin G. And it's finally, it, it has taken me up to the beginning of the fourth season to finally figure out that the entire series is not about the Lex. It is not about Stanley Tweedle. It is not about Zev. It is all Kai's story. It is. From start totally, to finish. From start to finish. Start to finish, yes. Always has been. Because he's the only interesting character on the ship. I, you know, no, I he's just... He's the only one that changes. He's the only one, yeah, that, that routinely changes, too. Yes. I mean, there was him on the dead planet where he got all poetic and weird. <laughs> the wheel goes round and round and makes an awful grumbling sound or something like that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was... So for those And of he you, sings. Have, have we actually talked about the show yet? We, we've, we've chatted about it once or twice okay. and about how I've been watching it. For those of you that don't know, this was a show that ran in the mid-90s. Yep. Started on Showtime, ended up on Canada and TV. Canadian and, and then uh, ended up on the sci-fi channel. It's like a dark sci-fi sort of episode. show. Uh, it has it, it it has no morality to it at all. It's a very very amoral. The characters are all amoral completely. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different tack on that. Not amoral, but their morals are not what you would think. Right, because yeah. they're not from Earth. No. And so none of their morals are anything like anything that we recognize. Right. And the planet that they're from was very very. Uh, horrible. The well, they they we, we don't. I'm not even sure where. Actually, no. They did mention where Stanley was from once. Yeah. Well, he was from the League of Ten Thousand Planets. No, no. They they mentioned which planet he was from, and oh. it, it's, it's so unimportant they, to they, the series. Yeah, that's it the matter. thing about the series is that they they they. The, how they got there is very unimportant by the time yeah. that they actually get there. The whole point is they end up on this huge insect that was bred specifically for destruction. Right. It's the most powerful destructive thing in the two universes. Right. And we're the dark universe, by the way. We'll get there. Right. No, we, we're not going to tell the whole backstory. No, but but the, the thing about this show, one thing, so so it's on Netflix, it's on Hulu. Watch it if you want to see it. Um, it starts with four... The movies. miniseries is great. Yes. The, the original miniseries is absolutely worth the watch. Yes. It was originally called... Uh, Tales from a Parallel Universe. Right, and then it just became Lex. Yeah. Episodes one through four are the first four <laughs> movies, and then you have the four seasons afterward. Three. Three. Yeah. And the problem with the show, it's dark. There are There is some humor to it, but the pacing, with or without commercials, with or without commercials, is horrible. Because even when you watch it on Hulu, where there are commercial breaks, it doesn't help. The pacing is bad. I mean, you sit there, and I get bored watching this show because the background music is in all the wrong spots. 
It's always the same background music. There's no real dr- drama in it. There's no real sitting at the edge of your seat waiting for something to happen because the only time that ever happens is when Kai does something. And after a while, you're just kind of fast-forwarding until Kai does something. I will say this. It, it is it, it's interesting on a number of levels. You first have this... The, 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 the show starts off with Stanley Tweedle. Stanley Tweedle is a human who has betrayed... A lot of planets. Yeah. To save his own ass. And he's a coward. Yeah. He is an utter, utter coward. Pretty much the definition of coward, yeah. Right. And his name is sort of speaks to that. Tweedle. Um, Then you have Zev of B3K. Who's a sex slave who has the the enhanced libido and the great body, but she doesn't have the mind of a sex slave. Well, she has... Let's give her backstory first. She was... Raised in a can. In a box. In a box. For all her life. Never met any man or anything like that. And was raised by robots. She was a f- an ugly, fat person. And then she did not do what her husband wanted. Because she got right. married off. She was in a wiving farm. And that's when they her punishment became... Turn her into a love slave. They gave her the body... And the libido, and she was supposed to get the treatment of the brain. The brain, which is she falls madly in love with the first person, the first man she sees. But that treatment went to the robot head, who was the other interesting character in the show. Seven ninety. Seven ninety. He's insanely intelligent. He has all the knowledge of the universes, basically, and he hates Stanley Tweedle with an undying passion. And yeah, for the first. Three seasons, two seasons, and then the third season. Suddenly, so, so he he's in love with Zev because Zev was gave, the first person he saw. Yeah, yeah, after after his mind got blitzed, right, and then he falls in love with Kai. Yep, and and that's funny. That's some funny stuff. There right was there. some funny stuff there, I guess. Uh, and so as the show goes on, more and more villains show up. They keep trying to take the Lex from Stanley. And it just repeats. And, oh, Stanley keeps trying to get laid. Zev wants Kai, even though he's dead. Kai can't have sex if he doesn't care about having sex. He doesn't even have a penis anymore. Uh, 790 wants Zev and then Kai. And that's about it. And just shenanigans ensue. And they're boring. Yeah, there, there's... the Seasons one, season two, there's there's no stringing the storylines together. Uh, they, they did sort of with the Mantrid theme... Uh, Side note, Mantrid, the guy who plays Mantrid, is also the crazy doctor in Human Centipede. You're welcome. Great. Another reason not to watch it. Now, uh, <laughs> the uh, seasons uh, three takes place on planets fire and water. Which are exactly opposite rotation around the sun that Earth is. Yeah, from another planet, which we find out later is Earth. Right. Yes. And um, it's like 4,000 years ago. Or something. Anyway, the I haven't got to the end of the series okay. yet. So, here, here the people die and come back to life or are reborn, however you want to think. It's supposed up. to be like heaven and hell. Yeah, it's a lot like heaven and hell. And it became really obvious early on, before the episode called Heaven and Hell, 
So and it just got boring. It, it at least though on that season they tried to string the season together with some plot and it got boring. It did get boring. Um, three season three got it just bogged down. What part of season four are you on? I don't remember. I'm. They just uh, Stanley was caught and he escaped. Have you seen the weird Japanese artist that Kai became, or that like the the, the parallel? No, no. I just saw the 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 cool musical episode where they're he's in the bar and and Kai's playing. Oh, in Sweden or Finland or something uh, like that. Greenland. Yeah. Prince, no, no, Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. Yeah. yeah. Prince, Prince, Prince made no, Newfoundland. Stan, yeah. Prince, Newfoundland. Prince made Stanley the king of oh, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. And the because it's a Canadian show. All the Americans are either jerks. The American president is this super idiot, philan- not philanthropist, uh, philander. 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 Weird how those two words are like so close, yet yeah. mean very different things. He's an idiot philanderer. Uh, this was before GW. Uh-huh. And yet it's a very close GW. Really weird. Yeah. Um, but it's just, oh, so stupid. This show is just dumb. And you're just, there's so many easy... The thing that frustrates me both is most about the show is the fact that the situations that they get into and the things that happen could be avoided. This is why I can't watch Seinfeld anymore. They could be avoided if only somebody took charge or if somebody just spoke up and actually voiced something instead of letting all this awkwardness ensue. Or if somebody just had a strong will and just... I mean, Kai's the only one with a will, and he doesn't even have a will because he's dead. The dead have no will. The dead do not poop. That too. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's uh, there. There are a lot of flaws with the show, but at the same time, at the same time, I'm intrigued. I I I, I, now it's not something I just go back and watch as often as possible. I do have to take several days, sometimes a couple weeks, before watching another episode. so it's not one of these hold you to your seat and there's a cliffhanger and you're going to come back for it? No. And remember, every day you're getting older and you cannot get that time back. I'm just warning you. Continue. I'm still going to watch this series. <laughs> so all the way to the end. Uh, I, I have found that their idea of people coming back, that was interesting. Because so far the, the actor the actor playing the president in season four was uh, one of his one of Prince's toadies in season three yes and we've had Fifi come back and we've had oh and there's Bunny lots of back. very good looking ladies on the show and many of them show their breasts it does happen not gonna deny it there's breasts mm-hmm. and lots and lots of sexual uh, innuendo yes and Zev the, the love slave is obviously very hot so except you never see her breasts no, you don't. You do see some side boob, but that's about it. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, that's whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that doesn't help the show because it's it's so pandering. So, so pandering. If we have Canadian listeners out there, please let us know if you are that unsophisticated that this sort of thing still interests you. We would love that. Thank you. What and did you you the, the episode that I just described the the one where where Kai became very musical, um, <laughs> all the Canadians were very mean and very upset with a particular guy, right? Which is so 
un-Canadian, as my understanding goes. Well, it is Newfoundland. I mean, well, yes, okay. that may not necessarily be the same thing. We don't know. We're we not don't from know. Canada. We don't know. Right. We'll never know. It could be the New York City of Canada. Oh, it is on the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. That's where a skull vodka comes from. I've got a couple bottles of that right nearby. Maybe we should drink some and come back. Or, you know, take a break and come back. Either way. Let's do that. We'll have a pimp in a minute. Hi, this is me, and you're listening to this. Jack Mangan's deadpan. Pop in your earbuds. (laughs) Deadpan podcast. This is kind of like the cast of Hee Haw performing one of Puccini's operas. Deadpan is away. It's like combining the film's deliverance and Howard's end. Or Greasy Nicole. Or even Greasy Ernest Borgnine's JackManga.com. Welcome back to Touching Monolith. I am Lejean de Fondue. And I am the Master Bob. And we have decided, since you know we've been pretty lax in our sci-fi everything lately, uh, we are not going to talk about a pimp. Right. So this is something that's been posted all over the interwebs. The interwebs. Which uh, is apparently the uncool way of saying internet these days um it's the intertubes not even anymore actually now it's just internet there thank you ms fondue um, is the new total recall trailer yes now the original total recall well not the original there's, there's the original story was a philip k dick story called we can remember it for you wholesale yes in which a guy goes to a memory implant bank and lives out a fantasy so he thinks no no that's the story oh so he thinks (laughs) so and so the schwarzenegger movie took that premise and turned it into a schwarzenegger movie which, as far as Schwarzenegger movie goes, it's not a bad one. No, it's one of the higher fun. grossing ones. And, and I, the visual effects that they that they pioneered in that film went on to do some of the better, better special effects. My favorite effect in that whole film. Don't say the lady's head. The fat lady's head? Yeah. Was that your favorite that one? That was my favorite. Oh, it was cool. No, I mean, especially the fact that, that because it was, it, was, it was animatronic. Yeah. It wasn't CGI. And the, the Arnold head beneath it? which was also animatronic, was one of the first times that it looked 99% like Arnold. You could still tell. You but, could, yeah. but but not compared to, like, Terminator. No. When yeah. he pulls out his eye, and it very much didn't look like Arnold. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like, this was the first time where it looked 99% like the actor that they wanted it to look like. The rest of the story was pretty dumb. It and it was it was just a, it was a dumb '90s action flick. It was, and that was and that was fine because it had a lot of cool moments. It had neat special effects, some that were you know totally visual, not digital, right? In uh, in camera as opposed to after, uh, we'll fix it in post, right? Um, and if you ever get a chance, watch Total Recall the movie with the Arnold. Uh, commentary because all he does is explain each scene that you're watching that's all it is he doesn't talk about them filming it he doesn't talk about his experiences he describes everything you're about to see this is when this happens this is when this happens oh this is me doing this oh this is him doing this 
to a T. I mean, that's what it is. But so after the movie, years after the movie, there was a show called Total Recall 2067. I remember hearing about it and never watched it. It was very decent. It was very, very decent. Um, it was very much Blade Runner sequel-esque because the, the the colonies was Mars. You know, let's go to the colonies and Blade Runner is Mars. Um, and Total Recall, also a Phil K. Dick, and so is... Yeah. yeah. Um, so, go on. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's worth checking out. It's all on Netflix. Cool. Um, or Hulu, one of the two. I know it's I've on one or the other. I've got access to way. one or the right. other. Yeah. So check it out. I mean, it was it was only on for, I think, two seasons and not even full seasons at that. I think there's maybe 26 episodes, I think. Um, so half seasons, right? Yes. But uh, but that, but again, I mean, that, that was, you know, it, it, it had to do with Mars and everything like that. But it was much less the movie and much more the story and much more uh, had a lot of, like I say, a lot of elements of Blade Runner in it. Get your last to Mars. Right. So now the new one, LeJean. The new one starring uh, Colin Farrell as, mm-hmm. yeah, Colin Farrell in the oh, I'm sorry, Total Recall 2070. Go ahead. Oh. <clears throat> the new the new one starring Colin Farrell in the Schwarzenegger role. Um Quaid. Um Do they still do that? I, I don't know what they're doing. Because one of the first things that we, we have got definite confirmation on is that they don't go to Mars. Okay. Mars is not involved. Right. Which Like in the original story. Like in the original story and in the movie with Schwarzenegger, they go to Mars. Yes. Yes. They are not doing that in this in show. In the original film, they don't go to, or in the original story, they don't go to Mars. Oh, then then this is going to be fine. I thought they did, though. I Somebody mentioned it. Well, but let's look at that. We'll let, while he's looking that up, they're not going to Mars in this show. Movie. Um, it's a show. It's a movie show. Here's it's a picture show. It's a show. Gosh, damn it. So, in the movie, they're not going to Mars. Uh, however, the trailer looks friggin' awesome. Um, it's one of those trailers that just makes you think, "Oh wow!" Like total. They they and they focus on the the first part of the trailer. They focus on a particular scene, uh, and and where you see all the uh, oh, I'm sorry, cover right. art. It is Mars. Go ahead. Thank you. So they don't go to Mars in this movie, which I think is a big mistake. But whatever. Um, it still looks cool, but it's not Total Recall. <laughs> um, Plot summary via Wikipedia of the original story, and I was wrong. Douglas Quayle, a simple and ordinary man, wishes to visit Mars. Unable to afford it, he visits a company, Recall, R-E-K-A-L, Incorporated, that offers implanted memories. The attempt to implant some exciting Mars memories of Quayle as a secret agent reveals that Quayle actually is an undercover government assassin with a mind full of dangerous secrets. The recall staff quickly get Quayle out of their office. He heads home and finds certain physical evidence to support his new old memories. His handlers initially seek his death, but instead Quayle, being an assassin, avoids this and goes on the run. Unfortunately, he has an implanted device, which can be used to read his thoughts. He therefore makes a deal in which his memory of his Mars mission is replaced by a false memory of his deepest desire, as analyzed by psychiatrics, that he saves the world from a Martian invasion at the age of nine. The recall all staff begin the memory implanting procedure and run into the same problem they did earlier. The incredible memories are they're about to insert. There are all already there and real. Ha ha. Now the 2012 uh, is going to be about give me a second. It's coming. Don't worry. 
Paul's Euro-America, formerly North America and European Union, and New Shanghai, formerly China and Southeast Asia, fight for political power in the far dystopian future of the year 2084. A simple factory worker suffering from violent nightmares begins to suspect that he's a spy whose memories and personality were erased and replaced, though he's unaware of which side of the fight he's on and how important those lost memories will be in the outcome. Um, what matters to him most is that he must team up with a young female freedom fighter, Jessica Veal, in order for both of them to change the political system, oh God, in their own country, Euro-America which is currently controlled by the ruthless Euro-American president, Vilos Kohagen. Every time I pause, I'm looking over at Lashan, by the way. And his government that rules with extreme austerity. Austerity is such a great word. Yes. Colin Farrell as Douglas Quaid. Jessica Biel as Melina, the prostitute who may have links to Quaid's past. Kate Beckinsale, who plays a Sharon Stone character. Who is Kate Beckinsale? Oh, really? Hmm. Kate Beckinsale, you know, your favorite death dealer. Bill Nye as Quato and a Euro-American Quato. rebel leader. Quato, sorry. Who's who's Bill Nye? You don't remember who Bill Nye is? Let's uh, go. He was one of the big vampires. In, yes. Yeah. Okay. He was Slaughter Bartfast. He was also Slaughter Bartfast. Yes, that's what I like him most as. And and the, the, the dad from Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Brian Cranston as Cohagen. Ooh. Um, that would be from, he was the father and Malcolm in the middle. He's oh, also right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that, that has, uh, Margaret Cho is McLean. Okay. Bokeem Wubine as Don't. Harry Quay's best friend. I think he was either Harold or Kumar in Harold and Kumar. <sighs> Ethan Hawke as a Euro-American scientist. Interesting. And Steve Byers as Henry Reed. I'm seeing a lot of people wasted in these roles. Yeah. Or just has-beens maybe? No, no, they're all even even Colin Farrell's a decent actor. They're all good actors, and but they're probably at the point where you could get them cheap. Yeah, and uh, and that's fine. Wait, Colin Farrell's the uh, the Irish guy. Yes. Okay, I was thinking Colin Firth. So yes, Colin yeah. Farrell's a better idea. Yeah, Colin Farrell's a much better idea. <laughs> than Colin for, <laughs> for an action flick. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Yeah. We've never seen yeah. Colin do Firth you, do an action do you film. you disagree, Mrs. Fondue? Depends on how tight his pants are. <laughs> Isn't that the joke of Colin Firth? I, I don't know. Was, I thought that was the joke of Colin Farrell. But um, bump. <laughs> anyway. So, All right. the, the, the trailer looks... And not taking any of what they said in the synopsis of what's going to be in this film to heart because it made me want to cry um because now it just seems like it seems like it's gonna suck ass yeah, um it's another crappy government changing movie yeah though it probably turns out he's on the wrong side and he's actually a bad guy and then he makes the choice to be the good guy or some you mean like they did in the schwarzenegger yeah. film all right at any rate or it's gonna have the super <laughs> mega twist ending where he's actually a bad guy and he decides to stay a bad guy or Perhaps he's a Martian. Come down to take over both sides. Maybe. Or they have the real twist ending where the entire thing was a dream. Hooey, hooey, hooey. Ain't it? Anyway. <laughs> there you go. Kids. The trailer looks awesome. Go watch the trailer. The, the trailer the movie, looks awesome. See the trailer. Um, I have a really good feeling about trailers when I want to see a film. Uh, Inception was this way. I finally saw it, and I really wish I had saw it, seen it in the theater. Oh, pisses me off. That's on. one that should have been in 3D. No. Colin uh, Nolan, Chris Nolan, argued 
specifically against making oh, it in okay. 3D. He said he didn't need it. He didn't. He's, but the, the effect of when like the city was folding in on itself, that would look cool in 3D. Yeah, but 3D is annoying. I know, but it's still neat looking sometimes. Sometimes. Stop wasting it on these stupid Titan movies that are actually just ripoffs of God of War. <laughs> anyway. anyway. So, did we redo the ending? No, not no. yet. I, I I clipped out certain parts of the ending. Okay. So, the new website is lejeanajohnson.net slash, slash touching the touching monolith. monolith. Right. Uh, we, I don't know if we even know if we have a phone number anymore. We could have like we, 50 voicemails. No, we, we still have a, checked. we still have the Google number. I mean, you do, yeah, I think we, we I never got rid of it. It was, I couldn't change or put in a message on top of it because your it's tied to your phone. I, I unlinked it. Did you? I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can fix it. And then no more than, and then, uh, we're also on Facebook. Yes, we have a presence. But none for you. No soup for you. So for touching the monolith, I'm the Master Bob. And I'm Lushan Dilawan Fondue. And we thank you for listening. Huzzah. Huzzah. Contact us at www.touchingthemonolith.com, email us at touchingthemonolith at gmail.com, or on Twitter, I'm the Master Bob. And I'm Delawan Fondue, and, and together, together we are a monolith toucher. Leave a voicemail at 602-UGLY-GIRL or 602-845-9447, and search for us on iTunes and Facebook as Touching the Monolith. Touching the Monolith. Touching the Monolith has been released under an attribution-only, non-commercial, no-derivatives, Creative Commons 3.0 United States license. Please, share responsibly.